as we were as we were worshiping and singing that last song um, that last line says we were created to give him glory um, and I was just uh, I was just reminded in Isaiah I think you might even have that uh, Raymond Isaiah 43 verse 7 Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. You and I were created for God's glory. And I was just reminded of that again as we're worshiping, is that the reason why we're here, the reason why you and I are on the earth, created on this planet, is for God. First and foremost. Above anything else and everything else, the reason why you are here in Musenberg, in South Africa, on this earth, is to bring glory to God. And I think we need to realize and understand that that needs to sink into our hearts. Because when we truly grasp the reason why we're living is for Him, then you'll have purpose. Outside of that, you're running around like a chicken, no head trying to make ends meet, trying to make a living, trying to do stuff. And like so many Christians do, fit God into that. Instead of all of that, fitting in with God. In other words, we don't take our life and our lifestyle and everything we do and, 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 and take God and try to fit God into that. Let, let me see where I can fit God into my life and where I have time and in between my work and my social life and my my relationship, my marriage, and all my stuff. We actually got it back to front. That's if we understand the true reason why we're here is for Him, then everything I do on earth fits in with Him. That's the reason why I'm here. I mean, I'm coming to the earth, and I'm going to leave, and I'm going to stand before Him one day, merciful, gracious, loving Father, but also a righteous Father that's going to judge us righteously. And we're going to be held to account. And it's like, what did you do? Oh, Lord, I, I built businesses. I climbed the corporate ladder. I, 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 I was great at my sport. I did this. I did that. And, I, and yeah, I went to church and I went to home group and I did all this stuff. It's not going to count. The only thing, did you know my son, Jesus Christ? Did you love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? Did you love me with everything? And did you love the people that I put around me and that I created. You also love them with everything. That's our reason for God to get glory. I was just so reminded that we can so miss it and we can tick boxes and we can go through our Christian walk. I've got to do this, do that, do this, do that. And, and your heart's not in the right place. And you actually don't know why. You think you know why you're doing it, but we miss it. It's because we want to bring glory to God and honor Him. Jesus was confronted by the, um, the Sadducees and the Herodians, and they actually tried to trick him. And they said, teacher, must we pay taxes to Caesar? And obviously Jesus, knowing their hearts, he said, bring me a coin. And he said, whose image is on the coin? Whose name's on the coin? And they said, well, Caesar's. He said, well, then pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he says, and give to God what is God's. And Jesus was referring to monetary term and value there. But I also believe that it was way more than money that Jesus was referring to. Because he said, whose image is on them? They said, Caesar. 
said, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And when he said, give to God what is God's, is in whose image are you and I created in? God's image. Well, then give to God what is God's. And what is God's? You. God's name is written. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. God's name's written on you. You created in his image. So give to God what is God's. And what belongs to God? You do. So God wants everything. He doesn't just want part of you. He doesn't just want a part of your finances or some of it. It's actually all his in any case. He owns everything. David, just before he died, called all the leaders in Israel together. And he said, everything, 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 God, is from you. Everything. And everything that we're giving is actually yours. Everything is from you and everything is to you. So, and then he goes on to say, God, in actual fact, everything that we... He was raising funds for the building of the temple that his son Solomon was going to build after David died. That's sort of background of the story. And, 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 and David says to God, says, God, everything that we're actually giving to you for the building of the temple is yours in any case. It's not like I'm giving you what is mine. It's like, oh, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you something of what I've worked so hard for. It's actually, I've, I've earned this and I'm going to give you. No, it's actually his. Because he gave you the ability to generate it and to earn it. So everything, even the clothes that I'm wearing this evening is God's. And we've got we, we to understand that. We've got we to gotta come to a place where we know that we know, God, you own me. You bought me with a price. Jesus, you paid the ultimate price for me. I don't exist anymore. I was created. I've submitted. I've surrendered my life to you. You own me. And I'm here to bring you glory. And everything that I do, everything I do, fits in with you. Not the other way around. Everything. Even if it costs me. Even if it costs me. I was just the other day, we were having a, we were having a, a video call um, as an eldership team. And um, I'm part of an eldership team in, in, in Riches Bay and Nympton Zini. And we're part of 412 um, our lead elders, Herod Lutz, some of you might know him, um, was in Sunningdale, Josh in Sunningdale for many, many years, him and Sherry. In actual fact, he got saved, Oxygen Life, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and then they moved to Cape Town, him and Sherry, and um, they were in Josh in Sunningdale for many years. And they moved up to Reaches Bay and planted Kingdom Community Church, which uh, my wife and I, Val and I, are part of. So the, the church had just been planted two months, and we joined the church. And uh, we had, we, we had an, a, an eldership video call a few days ago. It was characters in PE, and we were here in Cape Town. And, and uh, it, during, during the, the meeting, Herod asked a few questions. And as he was asking questions, he asked Jared a few questions. Some of you might know Jared and Nikki Colton, also Josh Jen, uh, Sunningdale, they with us in Riches Bay. And as he was asking questions, and he said, and Rob, you? And he asked a few questions, and it's like, oh been exposed oh you know you think that you've arrived you think you know that you've got everything together and everything's all right and it's like oh lord and as as Herod was asking questions i realized rob but you haven't died there's areas in your heart that are still rising up the flesh it's always going to wage war against the spirit it's always going to do that the flesh and the spirit's always going to wage war and it's like oh and I could actually feel my heart go hard and rise up in that moment. And I tried to just stay patient and calm. And we were having the meeting and 
put the phone down and Val was sitting in a coffee shop and I was sitting in the car and I went and called her and I said, no, can we finish? And we got in the car and we left. We were actually driving down to Cape Town. It was on Monday morning. We were sitting in Clarence. And we were driving, we got in the car and as we were leaving the town, Val said, so how did the meeting go? I said, I'll talk to you just now. I, got, I was quiet for hours. We were driving to Colesbury. We were going to sleep over there that night and I was, I think if I spoke 10 words, I was just, God, my heart, oh, Lord, is there anything in my heart that is not glorifying? Is there anything in my heart that the flesh is rising up? Um, and I shared a little bit with Val and I said, Val, it's just like, yeah, but they, he and they, and, and as I say, I was saying, God, but my heart, my heart, there's flesh, there's flesh. And then I realized, have I, is there areas in my life in my heart that as we were having a meeting and Gerard was just probing, just asking questions, nothing serious. I mean, I didn't even expect it. It was like, oh, we're gonna, we're just gonna have a meeting. But as he was throwing things out there, I could just feel something rise up in me and I thought, you know what, Rob? You haven't died fully. And, I, and, and you know what? It's something that right up until the day we go, I mean, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Something you do every day. You know, so every single day. You'll never get to a point. Paul says, beware, lest you think you stand, you'll fall. So lest you think, okay, now I've arrived, I've got everything together, be careful. Because then something else will just rise. Pride or something will just rise in your heart. And I felt, and I just, and as we were, as, as, as the hours, and I say hours, not minutes, because it was about a six or seven hour drive um, from, from, uh, um, Clarence to Colesburg, and as we were getting closer, I could actually feel my heart just softening, softening. As I was saying, God, just show me. Show me, Lord, because, man, this is difficult. God, show me. Am I missing something? Am I not seeing something? Is there a part of me? God said, Rob, there is. Lord, show me. Rob, it hasn't cost you everything. It hasn't cost you everything. If you know your reason for being here, is for the kingdom to advance, for my glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, for my kingdom to, to, to advance wherever you are. If you understand that and you know that, Rob, it'll, even if it costs you everything, are you willing to put it all on the altar? Are you willing to lay it down? Even the deepest, darkest parts of your heart that you are maybe holding on to, not wanting to let go. Are you willing to let go? Say, God, even if it costs me everything, I'll do whatever. Even if it's not my gift, even if it's not my passion, even if I wake up in the morning and say, well, that's not really what I want to do. Oh, that's not really my gifting. I'm not called to that. I'm called to this. But are you willing to do whatever it takes for the kingdom to advance and for souls to come to salvation? Because Jesus died for the souls, the very people as we left Jules and Shantz's place, it, we were busy walking to the car and I was looking out over the ocean and I just saw the surfers and I said, we, we, we're going to be in church worshipping the Father and the lost is out there surfing the waves. And that's the reality. We need, to, we, we need to get to a place where we are relevant in society. We'll be reaching the lost because Jesus died for them. Am I willing to do whatever it takes? say, God, here am I. Use me. Even if it's 
not what I want to do, even if it's not, even if it takes me out of my comfort zone, even if it stretches me, whatever. God, because it's no longer I that live. The day I put my hand up and said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior is the day that I surrendered my life. If we understand surrendership truly, it's the day when I, when I accept Jesus Christ and you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the day that you died and you don't exist anymore. That's the day that you put up the white flag and you said, I surrender. And you hand over everything. You, you don't surrender on your terms. Just remember that we don't surrender on our terms. Okay, I'll surrender, but this, that, this, that. You don't, you, when you surrender, you surrender everything. And when we surrender everything, God can work with us because he is the potter. We the clay. The clay doesn't tell the potter what he thinks should happen. It's like, you know, how dare the clay say to the potter, mold me like this, don't do this, do that. I mean, how dare we even say, God, but I'm not called for that. That's not my gifting. I don't flow in that. Oh, Lord, you want me to go and serve coffee? You want me to stand at the door and greet someone? You want me to... Lord, whatever, whatever it costs me. Oh, but Lord, you know what? I, I don't have enough finances for that. I can't invite someone into, into my house for coffee. Oh, look at the place we're staying in. We hard. It's pride. Am I prepared to lay it down? Say, Father, whatever, 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 whatever. I'm here to serve you and to see the kingdom advance. I just felt that wasn't part of the notes. <laughs> I just felt to share that. Um, you know, God, God's busy with me in that area, by the way. It's been serving the Lord for many, many, many years, and God is still putting his finger. There's still areas in my life where I can feel, oh, I'm getting in the way. I'm allowing the flesh to get in the way of the kingdom advancing. Um, I'm on a team of elders and uh, the lead elder, Herod Lewis, is a lot younger than me. You know how I wrestled with that when we joined the team. You know how I wrestled with that, serving under somebody younger than me, serving under somebody that I've been saved longer than almost that he's been alive for. Literally, almost, very close. Like, I got saved almost when you were born, you know? And here I'm, you know, God says, it's not about that, Rob. Are you willing? Yeah, but Lord, he, he, he doesn't know. It's like, I know, that's not going to work. Lord, but, but, Rob, it's not about that. Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to surrender? Immaterial of who and where, are you willing to lay it down so my kingdom can advance? I wrestled for years with that. We've been part of KCC Church in Riches Bay, which is 412. We've been part of now six years. Those first, oh man, two, three years whew, was tough. I used to cry, literally cry tears. Northville. I used to cry tears. Lord, this is so tough. Lord, this is difficult. God, but I can lay that down. I can lay that down. I can lay that down. But now you're speaking to into my emotions deep down in what you want me to surrender this lord but you just don't know god says i do know jesus says i do know lord yeah but you, this is so difficult but i do know are you willing to lay it down are you willing i just felt to share that with you guys i i just feel that there's 
if there's some of us here, some of you here this evening, that it's almost like you, you're serving God on your terms. It's like you're in this relationship, not so much to give, but also, God, what are you going to give me back in return? What am I going to get? I'm in this. Because I, I also, I, I'm in this because I know that you... And, and you know what? God does give. God does bless. And he, he's an incredibly loving father. But I am first and foremost and pr primarily not in the relationship to get. I'm in it to give. God, I'm here to give. Whether I get back or not, it's immaterial. But I'm here to give. I'm here to serve you. Whether I, I burn in a fire or don't. Whether I get back or blessed or... It's immaterial. But I'm here, first and foremost, to love you and to give you everything. And I just feel that there's some of you here this evening that need to get to that place where you say, God, is there anything in me? Maybe there's some selfishness in me. Maybe there's an area in my life where I, I haven't let go of and I'm hoping to get something back. And I'm. And, and yes, we must expect. I mean, God says, you know, you, you, you don't have because you're not asking. You know, so there is that. But our heart attitude, our heart motive has to be one of, God, my life is yours. I'm giving it to you. And whether you give back to me or not, it's immaterial. God, I'm, I'm giving you my life. So I just felt to share that with you guys this evening. And I'm just hoping that, that you can ask God just to shine his light. I did that on Monday as we were driving. I said, God, just shine your light. Shine that torch. And if there's anything, just show me. Just like David prayed. And he said, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked or offensive way in my heart. Is there anything? Show me, Lord. Because I want to adjust. You know, no. I want to get it right. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to serve the body. I want to love the person I'm sitting next to. I want to, I'm prepared to give it all to the person next to me. Why I love one for another, the world out there will know that we are his disciples. Am I willing to lay it down? Everything. How much time have I got? I haven't. You sure? <laughs> I, I, I drive a Toyota um, Bucky uh, 4x4. And uh, been going up into Mozambique. We reaches bays at, the, at the, the, the northern tip of KZN, very close to the Mozambique border. We're about three hours drive to the Mozambique border. And I've been going in there for years. Um, just prim primarily business got me in there. And then business opened the doors, got me across the border, opened doors. And then uh, literally from the first trip in, I started looking for opportunity to share the gospel. And uh, a couple of years later, business was on the back burner and it was just the gospel. Going in discipleship groups, spreading the gospel, preaching the word. And um, I was going in with, with my Hilux 4x4. And uh, last year... December, or this past December, um, a guy that we had been working very, very close with, Jules knows him, Azorio, um, that I had met many years back and started walking a road with him. I hadn't seen him since pre-COVID. Um, I saw him in January 2020 and then COVID hit, so I hadn't been up, and I, and, and I needed to go up and see him, but we were in contact over the phone, and I loaded the bucket full of maize meal. It, it was the back, I put a canopy on, and it was loaded to the hilt, maize meal, pasta, rice, and 
just praying when you get to the border post, Lord, just may I navigate through without them asking questions. But on my way there, I was about an hour and a half out of Richard's Bay. And I'm going to just tell you the short of it all. The gearbox backed up on a Toyota Bucky, by the way. It's a Toyota, okay? Just <laughs> the gearbox backed up, and I thought, can't be. This is, this is Toyota. The gearbox doesn't back up on these things. Anyway, I, I, I found myself an hour and a half later back in Richard's Bay, went into lymph mode, and the gearbox had completely packed up. That afternoon, um, I got back to Richard's Bay at about 10 o'clock. That afternoon, they said to me that they found the problem, why it wasn't going past second gear, um, and it was jerking, it's automatic, and it was jerking through the gears. They said that the inside of the gearbox had stripped. Some of the gears had actually they found metal filings when they drained oil out the gearbox. It stripped. And uh, the workshop manager walked up to me. I was sitting in the reception area of Toyota and Richards Bay. It was about 2 o'clock afternoon. The workshop manager walked up to me and said, Rob, this is what we found. He said, we've never, ever, never had a gearbox fail, especially on these on the, on the GD6s, we've never had a gearbox fail. Never, especially on the automatic. Um, he says, and I know you don't do excessive 4x4 in. Uh, I only service my vehicle there, so they've known me for years. He says, I know you don't do excessive towing and 4x4 ring. And he says, but have you, have you ever had the ECU box remapped? You know, you, you remap the ECU box for better fuel consumption or better performance. So, uh, and in that moment, I've got an extended warranty. So the warranty had expired, but I'd taken out the extended warranty. And in that moment, I thought, what do I say? Because if I say, yes, I have, because I had. I had had the ECU box remapped for fuel consumption because I'd put a canopy and raise the suspension, all four Mosin because the roads we were going into. And, uh, and in that moment, I said to him, no, I haven't. And he said, I can't understand. Anyway, walked away. He said, because that's the only possible things we can put it to and he left and I sat down and I'm thinking oh Lord I did that because I'm thinking it's 120,000 rand that I'm going to have to pay insurance won't pay that's what a new gearbox costs and I'm thinking oh Lord and he left and he says well look we're going to do a report we'll have to send it off and I'm sitting and I'm thinking God what do I do well, I said don't ask me <laughs> you know what to do <laughs> why are you asking me you know it's like where's the Bible like Flip the pages, you know, hopefully I'll find a, a, you know, a verse that will support. It's like, I just sat there for about an hour, hour and a half, and I'm just thinking, Lord, God says, even if it costs you. And uh, I went around the back, it was about quarter to five, they were locking up at five. I went, they got, I can't drive the bucky, vehicle standing there, it was loaded. I went around the back, taking my suitcase out and all my stuff out, and uh, he came out of his office. They were busy closing up the big roller doors. And he came out and he said, oh, Robert, I still can't understand, man. Why are you? And I said to him, oh, Van, I've got something I need to confess. And he says, what's it? I said, you know what? You asked me that question. about the, And I said, yes, I did. I have done it. I said, I must confess. Forgive me um, for trying to cover it. I said, but I did have it remapped. And I, and I told him who it was. There was a guy in Richard's brain. He said, oh, no, we know the guy's work. He's really good. And, you know, he does really good mapping. And, but... He said, oh, look, don't worry about it. He says, we're gonna, we'll put a claim in, let's see what happens. We'll, he says, but don't worry about it. And I walked away, but like, it was like this weight off my shoulders. Oh, thank you. Whatever happens now, God, I'm in your hands. Trust in you. 
That was a week before Christmas. We sat without a vehicle for almost two months while insurance companies were going backwards and forwards with Toyota trying to figure out eventually, eventually, how's this? Uh, they called me in and they said to me, I'm telling you the story for a reason. They called me in and they said to me, the, the manager of Toyota called me and says, Rob, I need to ask you, did you? And I said, yes, I did. She said, okay, well, we're, gonna, we, we're submitting this claim, but the chance are they going to phone me. They're going to they're gonna get an assessor to phone me. And I said, well, if the assessor phones me, I'm going to tell the assessor. And if, if I lose the claim, I lose the claim, but I'm going to trust you. Anyway, they, no one phoned me, and they accepted the claim. And fitted, they didn't have a new gearbox put in, but they had it repaired. It was about almost 100,000 rand. They had it repaired. Uh, beginning Feb, got my vehicle back. Olvain phones me, and he says, Rob, you can come in tomorrow, vehicle's ready. I get there, and he says, um, I got there a little bit early. He says, we're just busy fitting one or two things. We're going to close it up. Um, he says, then, and then after that, would you like to take a drive with me? We're just going to take a test drive just through town. I said, yeah, sure. Get in, we're busy driving. And as we on our way back, he says to me, and I've known him for years, eh? He says to me, but just through me taking my vehicle in for service, he says, Rob, so what do you do for a living? What do you do? I said, Alvin, I'm full-time ministry. He said, what? He says, you know what, I thought there was something. I said, I thought there was something. And in that moment, in that moment, I said, God, thank you. I could feel my heart. I could feel the emotions. I said, God, thank you that I was honest. Because I would have broken down my testimony. And I'm saying it for, I've got many stories like that. I would have broken it down. You know what? People want a demonstration. They don't want an explanation. You can explain till you're blue in the face. They want to see it. Show me. Show me. Show me you follow Jesus. Show me you're willing to sacrifice. Show me you're willing to die to self. Show me who Jesus is. Don't just tell me. I want to see it. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. Robert Coleman said, one living, one living testimony, one living sermon is worth more than a hundred preaching sermons. One living sermon. Show me how you live. When you walk out here this evening and tomorrow you're at work, you're a living testimony. Your life is speaking words. You don't even have to say it. People are watching it. They want to see Jesus. They want to see your life. I, I call it, what is your doing saying? So what, what are my actions saying? Because they're speaking words. In John 10, Verse 24 and 25 and 31 to 33. I just took out a few, few scriptures there. Um, Jesus speaking, and the people surrounded him and asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's discretion, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You're a mere man, claim to be God. But if I, <clears throat> Jesus says, but if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I'm in the father. Jesus' actions spoke 
loud and clear that people just weren't listening. They said, tell us who the Messiah is. Jesus says, don't my works, what I've done. Haven't you been watching? Haven't you been seeing what's happening? My actions, surely my actions in, are enough to point to the Father. And it should be the same for you and I. Every single day, your, your, your life is a life of evangelism. Your life is a life of evangelism. Evangelism is not just a method. It's not something that I just, it's, it's who you are. It's who you are. Some are called to reach thousands. Others are called to reach hundreds. But we've all called to reach someone. And you might just be called to reach the one. But your life is a life of evangelism. Discipleship is not a, it's not a method I follow. Okay, for I, I gotta do, in order to disciple, I must do this, this, this. And he has the step. No, your life is a life of discipleship. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, guys, okay, guys follow me, and uh, gave them a manual, and he said, he has the ten, 10 steps. Study these, watch me. St-. He said, follow me, and I'll make you. They followed him. What's a disciple? A disciple is somebody who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. It's a replication process. You and I are here today because of what the 12 did. They made disciples. They took Matthew 28 when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations and teach them. Don't just teach them because if you just teach them, it's just more head knowledge. Jesus said, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And you and I are here because of what they did. They made disciples, and those disciples made disciples, and those disciples made disciples. 2,000 years later, we sit in here, and we're supposed to make disciples so that another two years from now, those believers can say, amen. Those Christians, those believers in Musenberg in 2022, can you imagine living in those times? Man, they gave their life for this, for the gospel. And here we are, saved because what they did a hundred years ago in Musenberg. Can you imagine that? The stories you're going to hear one day when you're in heaven. Say, were you in Musenberg? Yeah. Wow. I was born 150 years after you. You, you probably, man, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you did. Your life, your life touched so-and-so. And so-and-so touched so-and-so. And I got saved as a result of that. We called not just to keep a seat warm in church. We're called to make disciples, to go out and share the gospel. Share the gospel. An evangelist, the English term to evangelist is someone who shares the gospel, the good news. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came to earth, died on the cross for you and I, rose again on the third day, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the good news. He died for you and I. Let's go and share it. You don't need to have a theological background to share it. You don't need to have studied for 10 years. Hey Amen. Jesus crossed the lake with the disciples and they came across a demon-possessed man. Jesus set him free. Set him free. He had the legions of demons in him. Set him free, cast him into the pigs. The guy sat at the feet of Jesus for a couple of hours, however long it took for the villagers to come and chase him away. However long that took, it was the same day. They didn't overnight there. It was a few hours. And Jesus said, go back into the nearby towns and villages and just tell of what God has done for you today. I mean, what training did that guy have? Nothing. He had his testimony. 
God is good. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. I once was bound, but now I'm free. God, you're so awesome. And you go read a few chapters later, Jesus comes back to the same area, the cities of the Decapolis. He comes back to the same cities again. And you know what? You know what happens? He's welcome. They well, they, in actual fact, they ask him to stay. Please stay. A few months. A few months. It says that man went back into the nearby towns and villages. He went back to his family. And he told of what God had done. And he went and shared just his testimony. Jesus and the disciples come back a few months later. And the doors are open. Doors are open. One man sitting at the feet of Jesus. One. And you know what? From a ministry point of view, we'd probably look at it and think, well, that's a waste of time. I mean, you cross the lake, you encounter a storm, you almost drown, and the disciples lose faith, and Jesus has to calm the storm, and gets to the other side, you find one man, you deliver him from demons, and then you get chased away, and you, you go back again. I mean, that's a waste of time. Cross the border to Mozambique, and two, three years later, a handful of people are saved. And I, was, I wrestled with that. God, I'm just, Val, I'm not seeing fruit. I'm not seeing fruit. I'm going in there. I'm not seeing fruit. And Val always used to say to me, Rob, you met just one person. You don't know. Or two. You don't know. Jesus crossed over one. But you know what happened? The one opened the doors to the many. The one led to the many. Man of peace. You might think, hey, it's a waste of time. This person that I'm walking the road with or surfing with or playing golf with or at work with or whatever. Oh, man, it's just not good. One could open the doors to the many. It's never a waste. Disciple. A disciple. Somebody who follows somebody and takes on his ways. That's a disciple. Somebody who follows Jesus. In the Christian term, it's somebody who follows Jesus and takes on the ways of Jesus. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Not listen to me and I'm going to... There is teaching. Don't misunderstand. There is teaching. We've We've, we've got to read the scriptures. You've got to open the Bible. You've got to get to know your father. You've got to learn. But you've got to follow as well. Are you following someone? Are you allowing somebody to speak into your life? Are you allowing people to speak into your life? Are you allowing yourself to be disciples? Because in order to make disciples, you've got to be a disciple. You've got to be able to say, I'm teachable. Point things in mind. Show me if I'm not doing anything that I should be doing. It's a disciple. It's following somebody, observing, taking on their ways, becoming like them. That's a disciple. We want to become like Jesus. I hope it makes sense what I'm sharing this evening. When those who are closest to you, when those who are closest to you are honest, what do they see? And what do they hear? What do they hear from your actions? When those who are closest to you what are, they, what are they seeing and hearing from your actions? Just your actions, not what you say, because we can often say stuff, but it's not lining up with our life. What are they seeing? I, g- I, gave, I was driving into town um, a number of years back, and as I was coming into town, there was a guy on the side of the road and uh, he was walking into town and looking for a lift and I stopped and I picked him up. Um, and as, as we were driving, um, I said to him, you know, where are you going? No, he's going to spa and 
Now, what do you do now? He doesn't have a job. These people were like, and he said to me, so what do you do for a living? And at the time, I was involved in business, but also in ministry. Um, and he said to me, so what do, you, what do you do for a living? And I, and I hesitated for a minute because I thought, what do you do, Lord? And I said to him, I'm in ministry. And he said, oh, wow. I said, yeah, I'm in ministry. I'm full-time in ministry. And then I said to him, but I also work. And the work supplements the ministry. I'm on mission. You and I are on mission. We need to understand that. The reason why you, getting back to the original statement, why, we, why are you in Musenberg? Why are you created? To glorify God, to see the kingdom advance. So you and I are on mission. And everything we do supplements and funds the mission. It's, it's not our destiny. Your work's not your destiny. My work, your work's not our destiny. It's just, it's a means. It supplements what we actually do. And that's, we're on mission for Jesus Christ. And I said to him, I'm on mission. Hey man, that's why I'm here. And my work, yeah, make a little bit of money and that funds the ministry. It's a mind shift. We've got to get to a place where we understand and realize that sometimes we can get it so back to front. Why are we here and what we're doing? Why, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Have you ever thought about that? Why do you wake up in the morning? Jesus understood what the mission was. You know that Jesus clearly understood what his mission was. He came, he knew what he, he knew why he was here, didn't take his eyes off it, he focused, focused at the goal, and he knew why he was here. He said, I only do and say what my Father in heaven told me to do and say. He knew exactly what his purpose was. And I asked myself the other day, in actual fact on Monday, I started just questioning myself and just saying, Rob, do you know why you're here? Yeah, of course I know why I'm here. No, no. Do you really know why you're here? Do you really, really, really know? Of course I do, yeah. But Rob, do you really know why you're here? Just extend it to me. For God to get the glory. That's why I'm here. At any cost. At any cost. Do you understand the mission? Does the mission and the purpose override everything else in your life? And I think that's a place that we need to get to. Does the mission and the purpose override everything in your life? Your reason for existence, your reason for living, your reason for doing what you're doing for the kingdom, does that override everything else? In other words, at the end of the day, I'm here to see the kingdom advance. My life is a life of evangelism. I'm, I'm, I'm a living testimony. People can see me. If they see me, do they see Christ? If they see my actions and what I say, when I'm standing in a queue at spa and I'm irritated, how am I acting? How am I responding? Am I reacting or am I responding? What is my life saying? And if I understand that, that my life is for him, committed, sold out for him, then everything else, everything else lines up with that. In other words, everything in my life fits in with God. Not I take God and try and place him into areas of my life where I've got time. 
No, but Sunday's off, it's golf day. Saturdays is Wednesdays, Tuesdays, and I try and fit God because I just don't have time. I'm just trying to make time for God. And I know we live busy lives. I'm not, I, I know we have busy lives and I know that, that life does keep us busy. But in your heart, in your heart is, is Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart? Is your heart's motive, is your heart's motive everything for Jesus? Everything for Jesus. Everything. Is he consuming your thoughts day in and day out? When you wake up in the morning, do you say, Father, thank you. I'm here because of you. And today I want to extend your kingdom. I'm on my way to the office. God, use me. Use me. I just felt to, yeah, it wasn't quite what I had, much of what I had prepped for this evening, but I just felt during worship to, yeah, just to share that. Um, your purpose, your purpose for living has to, has to, has to be Jesus. Um, it's got to be him. It can't be him and. We serve a jealous God. He's not going to compete. God's not going to, he says, I'm a jealous God. He says, you will have no other idols before me. You can't have me and that and that. You know what the reality, you know what the scary thing is? God's not going to compete with other stuff in your life. Not going to compete. He wants all of you. He wants everything. 